שבוע טוב, גמר חתימה טובה to everyone. מוצאי שבת היא נפרט, מוצאי שבת האזינו. And we're less than a day away from, from the beautiful, holy and inviting day of Yom Kippur. And באמת מעומק הלב, we wish my wife and I and my family wishing you all גמר חתימה טובה. We should all be blessed to be written and inscribed in a book of real living, really feeling alive this year and feeling healthy. And this is a, an attempt to recap this Shabbos afternoon's Shabbos Shuvah Jerasha. And I'm quite aware that the title, um, that when we sent it out, we only sent out the title on Thursday. And the amount of comments just about the title of the shir was overwhelming. And the title being the centrality of mental health in our tshuva. So... What I first am going to be doing is explaining what this shear is not about, what this dresha is not about. Because I realized that once the shear, once the word got out about the title, people were rightfully so under the assumption that a lot of what we're going to be speaking about is today's crisis in the world of mental health. And it's no chidush that it's a crisis. But it's also no chiddush that these are things that should be speaking, be speaking about every single day. And not dafka Shabbat Shuvah, but every single day. And further, these are very personal and intimate uh, pratim details that each person goes through when it comes to their struggles with mental health. Baruch Hashem, I've surrounded myself with a network of, of Rabbanim, uh, teachers, psychologists, and psychiatrists that are very deeply involved in breaking any stigma, raising the awareness of mental health issues within the community. And as I said earlier today in Shul, for anyone who needs any type of help in this field, it's not that I'm happy to help because it's, it's, it's a painful thing, but we are here to navigate, to help navigate the system and to... provide as much guidance in this very uh, very serious matter which is the world of mental health which is when it comes to Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur we're all triggered all of us those that suffer greatly from mental health issues and those that just suffer from I guess lower levels of anxiety and stress Bichlal in life so what the Shir what the Dresha is not about is necessarily What should we do as a community regarding mental health issues? Those are Dvarim Shabachol Yom, which should be addressed. What the Shir is also not about is the following story. That's right, it's not about the following story. And it's a story I just saw recently about someone noticing that Reb Naftali of Rupshitz was uh, accustomed to cutting his nails after he would immerse in the mikvah. And... Everyone thought, uh, the, a Talmud that noticed this knew that you're supposed to cut your nails before you go into a mikvah. Somehow he had the Azaz, the, the, the audacity to go up to Rav Talia Rapshitz and, uh, and, and ask him, Rebbe, understand, what, what's the Indian? Why does, why, does, why does Rebbe cut his nails only after he goes to the mikvah? So the Heilige Rapshitz says to him, I want you to f- go and fast for three days 
Daven your eye, daven your heart out. Mamish, give your heart and soul. Daven for three days, fast for three days, and then come back to me, and I'll reveal to you the secret. That's what the chassid does. He goes for three days, he fasts, he's davening. Oh. And then he comes back to the rapshitzer, and he says, okay, I'm ready to, to learn of the secret. And the rapshitzer says to him, okay, let me tell you what I, the reason why I cut my nails after I toivel, after I immerse myself in the mikvah, is because my nails get softer after they're in water, and it's easier for me to cut my nails after I tovel, as opposed to before. Now, why am I saying that this is what the shear is not, this isn't what the shear is about? It's because there is an approach in the world of mental health Baruch Hashem, it's not such a strong approach because I think it's proven to not be an effective one and at times even be more damaging, is that when we try to lower the stress and anxiety that people are feeling, we just, when it comes to religious matters or spiritual matters, all we say to them is, listen, God doesn't want you to suffer, just whatever, it's not a big deal. Um, do what you can and it's fine and just move on. Don't, make such, don't think about it too much, don't make such a big deal. Let's take Yom Kippur as an example. I don't feel comfortable saying to anyone, suffering or not suffering, listen, Yom Kippur is not such a big deal. It is a big deal. Of course it's a big deal. But it doesn't mean that approaching Yom Kippur can't be done in the healthiest, calming manner as well. And that is what this shir is about. This shir is about understanding through halacha how there are certain matters of kedusha, of holiness, and of purity that we need to redefine for ourselves. Hare, it's very clear that we all want to finally feel that we reach the level that we're changed beings. The chatterbox, the mental chatterbox doesn't stop for a second saying, will I finally get it together? Am I finally going to overcome this? Can I actually say today that I'm really different than yesterday? How long is this Yom Kippur high going to last? Before we even go in it, we're already calculating how how, how fast we're going to crash. It's because as much as we don't want to admit it, we do have an all-or-nothing attitude, and that is because in halachic statuses, there are all-or-nothing statuses, especially when it comes to something that's either kosher or not kosher, tahor or tameh, pure or impure, kodesh and chol, mundane versus sacred. And therefore, what we have to do is to try to understand for the sake of our mental balance, a calm and focused approach, how most of us can grasp onto a certain way that can lead us towards this last few minutes in in the healthiest manner. Most studies that, we, that are out today <coughs> show that the majority of people today do suffer from some certain levels of anxiety and stress, that which are, of course, correlated in one way or another to mental health issues. 
within Orthodox communities or, or more observant communities in general, these numbers sometimes get to get, they tend to get even higher because of the, of the added stress, which is a, pro, a produce of, 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 of the spiritual angst that, that many of us live in. It may be coming from somewhat of a good place, but it's definitely, it's definitely misguided or perhaps misrooted. And all we're trying to do for the next few minutes is to discover a new path, a new path which will make us feel mentally stable and healthy, as healthy as possible, approaching this very serious day called Yom Kippur. So the Rebbe of Yom Kippur is Rebbe Akiva. He is the Rebbe of our lives, really. But he, he has a very big makom at the Yom Kippur tish, if you will. Um... There are many different places within Yom Kippur where Rabbi Akiva comes to life. We begin, we begin Yom Kippur by saying Or Simcha, and then we have some kind of Sofei Tevos there. We spell out the name Akiva. Um, Yom Kippur is also the time where we mention the ten holy martyrs, Asarei Harugei Malchut, which and the Musaf Avoda, which of course Rabbi Akiva is there, and. Bichlal, when it comes to talking about purity in Yom Kippur, it was Amar Rabbi Akiva, it became a famous nigan, Amar Rabbi Akiva, Ashreichem Yisrael. Lifnei mi atem metaharim, mi metaharetchem. Rabbi Akiva said, wow, praiseworthy are you, Am Yisrael. Before you, who have you, before who do you come uh, and, and purify yourself? Who is the one that's purifying you? Avichem sheva shamayim. It's your father in Shemaim, says the famous Mishnah, towards the end of Masachet Yuma. Ashreichem Yisrael, ifnimi atem mitarim, umi mitaretchem, avichem sheba Shemaim. And we know that Rabbi Akiva continues and he brings psukim to prove his point that it's Hashem that purifies us. Ve'oymer mikveh Yisrael Hashem, he quotes from Yemiah Anavi, maha mikveh mitares atmeim, afakadosh baruchu mitares Yisrael, just like a mikveh purifies the impured. God purifies Am Yisrael. We also know that this is a very famous nigun. It's become a very famous nigun over the years. What is it exactly that Rabbi Akiva is telling us? Because he's about to show us that he's providing for us the clearest path of mental health in the world of tshuva. So we have two questions on Rabbi Akiva's famous statement. The first one is a very obvious one. What's the chiddush? What are you telling me, Rabbi Akiva? What are you, what's, what's new in what you're saying? Like you're, you're saying that uh, the mikvah is... is uh, you're saying that Hashem is the one that purifies us? I mean, I, I kind of knew that any form of tahara, any form of purity, you know, to become pure, it's from Hashem. I mean, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu was the one that gave me the Torah probably like 13, 1400 years before Rabbi Akiva. So what is Rabbi Akiva's chiddush by telling me all this in the Mishnah? And the second point's question is that if Rabbi Akiva is trying to prove something, we always know that if you're able to prove something from a Pasuk in the Torah as opposed to a Pasuk from the Prophets, from the Nevi'im, of course you're going to want to go to the Torah to bring a proof. And yet Rabbi Akiva chooses to prove that purity happens from Hashem from a Pasuk from Yirmiyahu Navi. About a mikveh, maha mikveh, but the mikveh Israel Hashem, just like the mikveh purifies the, the impure, God purifies us. 
because you're because Rabbi Akiva, you should have brought the pasuk from the Torah in Parshat Acharimot, which is a pasuk we're going to be saying over and over again over Yom Kippur. Ki bayom hazeh yechaper alechem letaher etchem mikol tumotichem lifnei Hashem titaru. Like it says in Parshat Acharimot, on this day of Yom Kippur, Hashem will purify you from all of your impurities. Lifnei Hashem titaru. You're going to become pure before Hashem. And Rabbi Akiva chooses to use a Pasuk from Yirmiyah. So these questions were raised on a very, very holy night, a powerful night, on the sixth day of Tishrei, 1971. Sorry, 1970. Tafshin Lamid Aleph, Vav Tishrei, in Crown Heights in Brooklyn, by the Lubavitcher Rebbe Nishmasa Eden. On the sixth day of Tishrei is the Yorzeit of the Rebbe's mother. She passed away in, I believe, 1964. And this was her sixth Yorzeit. And the Rebbe had a minag that on Yorzeits of certain individuals in his family, there would always be a siyum. Sometimes there were pretty big siyumim, on, on maybe like a whole shas or sets of Babli Yerushalmi. Sometimes it was just individual masechtas. And on that year... In 1970, in Crown Heights, the siyum that the Rebbe was doing was on Yoma, which is all about the avoda of the Kohen Gadol. In the middle of the Farbrengen, of the heat of the, of the Isvadus, the Rebbe did a but he did a, a long, amazing, powerful sicha, all about that, the Mishnah that we quoted before, about Amar Rebbe Akiva, Asheichem Yisrael, a fascinating, incredible, long piece, which I encourage everyone to find, because what the Rebbe does with every single word in that Mishnah is just incredible. But I would like to take you to the, to the end of that Fabrengen. The end of the Fabrengen is basically addressing the two questions that we brought up right now. What's Rebbe Akiva's Chiddush? And why doesn't he prove it from the Torah? Why does he try to prove this thing of purification before Hashem, from Hashem, from the Navi. And the Rebbe takes us to a, a, a very interesting uh, piece where he asks, if you sing that nigun to yourself, what seem to be two words that seem to be meyutar, meaning not needed, that you could get a, you didn't need to have it in the Mishnah. And remember, the Rambam says that every word in the Mishnah is exactly needed. Every single word of a Mishnah, there's nothing meyutar, nothing, there's nothing extra in a Mishnah. And this is also how, um, I guess, the way the Gemara was formed. I mean, what's the Gemara? The Gemara is a bunch of our holy sages, you know, trying to decipher and figure out why the Mishnah uses a certain language, why maybe at times it omits a certain language or a certain word. So this is really what's going on, and this is what the Gemara is all about, trying to make sure what every word in the Mishnah is. The Rebbe says, it seems that there are two words that are missing, that are meyutar, in this, in this Mishnah. So in the, in, in the, in the Shia earlier today, in Shul, I asked everyone to look at what's in front of them. Look at the Mishnah. And if you have this piece, you can open up in front of you. Amr <laughs> 
The Rebbe points out that the two words that seem to be miyutar, not needed, are the words et hatmeim. Maha mikve metahir et hatmeim. Why does it have to say the mikvah purifies the impure? Well, of course it purifies the impure. What is it? It purifies the pure? It could have said, So, having said that, let's understand what the Mishnah is trying to tell us with these two extra, extra seemingly extra words. And this is a, a some very interesting halacha. The shaila is like this. We have, in the world of halacha, a few different levels of tumah. A low level, what's called a tumah kala, a light level of tumah, of impurity, is called tumat sheretz. It's the tumah of... Um, uh, an ach, I, the pasuk is the chelet, the tinshamet, uh, I guess you would call them uh, once a today like jukim, if you know what I mean. The tuma of sheretz is is a very light tuma, and it lasts. The tuma once you tovel in the mikvah, the tuma lasts for one day. One day you wait till the the sun sets. It's called a tvul yom, and then harlev shimsho. The night comes and you're you're ready pure again. That's a low. That's what's called a light level, a light, a light level of of, of uh, impurity. Tuma kala. There's a pasuk in Parshat Chukat, right around the story of the Paraduma, the red heifer, where it says Hanogea bemet lechol nefesh adam tameshivat yamim. That anyone that comes in contact with a dead corpse, with someone that's dead, that kind of a tuma is a tumah chamura, that's more of a, that's a heightened level of impurity, and a person must then become tame for seven days. Seven days. So tum again, lower level of tumah, one day process, tumat mate, seven day process. The question in halacha is, if a person who's tame met, which means he came in contact with the dead and he's in the middle of a seven-day process, should he himself, uh, and that, sorry, and that person comes in contact also with the tumah of a sheretz, meaning the lower level of tumah, something that would cause him to be impure for one day, should a person, while he's in the seven days of impurity, but also has the one-day impurity, should a person go to the mikvah during the seven days to remove the status of the lower level of impurity? Is there any is there any usage of it? Is there any meaning to it? Does it do anything? Because it seems that they would remain tame. You still have the seven day process. So why are you bothering yourself with what seemingly seems to be small stuff? And the Allah points us to a Mishnah in Mas- the third chapter in Masachet Brachot. And I believe it's in the third chapter of Masachat Brachot. What we see over there is that we have another situation where someone is a Zav and also becomes a Baal Keri. Now, in order to not get involved in the depths of this, because anyone that knows these concepts knows we're speaking about impurities due to uh, omissions from, from a male body without getting too much into it. 
And there's different level statuses of what makes someone impure. But a high level of impurity, a tum'ah hamura, is a zav, what's called a zav. And a balkeri is someone who has, is a lower status of tum'ah. And he, the, the question is, should a person that's in a higher status of tum'ah, as well as a lower status of tum'ah, should he go to the mikvah also in order to remove the lower status of tum'ah while he remains still tameh because of the larger picture? And the answer the Mishnah says is, yes, he should go to the mikvah. Meaning to say that what? A person has an obligation to go to the, and, and purify themselves from a lower level of impurity. And it doesn't mean he becomes fully pure. He's still tameh. But he still has to take care of the smaller business as well. So now we go back to the Mishnah. The words, says the Rebbe, is an amazing thing. That it's true. A person tovels in a mikvah regarding things that are of lower status of impurity. And they come out and they're still tame because there's bigger business taking place. But what a what an amazing thing. Ashrechem Israel. Rabbi Akiva says this is the greatest chiddush ever. That a person can say whatever I'm I'm what is it why should I bother with trying to get rid of small addictions or small smaller things when in the big picture I know I haven't taken care of the big deals in the real business. And Rabbi Akiva is saying praiseworthy of you, Israel, that it's your father in Shemaim that's conducting the purification process. Because it's true, there may be no shortcuts, but there's value, there's so much value to every stop in the purification process, to every step towards purity, even if it doesn't remove me completely from the tame, from the impure status, don't think for one second that it's meaningless. It's, it's completely not meaningless. The Rebbe says, mitzvah, gereret mitzvah. From the little bit of impurity that you remove from yourself, okay, now you'll have an, a stronger Yom Kippur and it'll be better. And slowly, slowly you'll take on more and more things till eventually one day, hopefully, there'll be a removal of the, the larger tumas in our life. But what Rabbi Akiva is addressing is what you, most of us go through today, where we say to ourselves, unless I'm really a changed person, come on, come on, who am I kidding? Why, am I, why should I give any importance to small levels of change that don't really even change my, my purity status, even according to the halacha, but it, it's the halacha itself that tells you you have to tovel when you have momentary opportunities of removing lower levels of impurity. And that's a wondrous thing that only Hashem Barach could conduct such a thing. Because humanly speaking, I'm either in or I'm out. Humanly speaking, if I owe someone $100,000 and I come to them and I say, listen, all I, all I got really is, all I could give you right now is five grand. Humanly speaking, I'd be embarrassed to say such a thing. But the Rebbe Nishtelem says, I'm so happy that you're at least admitting that, that you have something you owe. Of course, 
of course, bring this. And you'll see, you'll want more. You'll want to give more and more and more. And that's a wonder that works in the world of purity and impurity. And Yom Kippur is all about that day. You see, friends, the point of everything we're saying right now is as follows. It's a very important yesod that, that we must uh, incorporate in our understanding of who we are and how we march towards this day of Yom Kippur. Many of us are already thinking about how low of a, how much of a low we're going to have right after Yom Kippur. We all know that you know, we're not going to stay that high. How long will it last? So if I know already that it won't last so much, why should I kill myself? Why should I drive myself crazy? And what Rabbi Akiva is saying is that Yiddishkeit is not a religion where we say, try to see if you've become a changed person or not. That's not. That's not a Jewish concept. And someone came to me after Shir and pointed out that the Rambam says, and it's only this is the only mitzvah where the Rambam says a person should try to do tshuva. It doesn't say by other halachas a person, person should try to keep kosher. But by tshuva it says yishtadel. That, all we, that Hashem knows this. Hashem knows what kind of distracting world we live in. We forget. We think, well, Hashem created this perfect world. We messed it up. And now we have to like really one day get it together and become changed people. Hashem knows this. You don't have to become a changed person. You have to become a directed person. We have to become people that are on a path, that are walking towards somewhere. And every step of purity that I engage with, even the smallest of ones, reminds me who I am, what my path is all about, and that is how I march forward. That keeps my mind to be in a healthy, locked-in place. It is these types of small measurements. It's, it's really a, a fascinating way of how this Mishnah, according to Rebbe, how the Rebbe points out Rebbe Akiva's Chiddush here, how it's really showing us that Hashem notices all these things. The Ibn Shalom notices He created, he's the, he's the only, Hashem is the only entity in the world that could create a status where it's true you're not fully out of jail, but even that little bit towards being out of jail really counts. You're still tummy. Ma'amik v'mitar etat meim. You're still tummy. But ashreichem Yisrael, that this is part of the way that we become pure. You know, one of the, one of the greatest things, one of the greatest statements Rabbi Nachman of Breslov said is, is a famous statement, Abyssal is, uh, what was the Lashon? Rabbi Nachman says, um, in Yiddish, if I remember the Yiddish, right, he said, um, Abyssal is good, that even a little bit is good. Now, people sometimes think that means, oh, Nebuch, I want to make you feel good. You're, you're, you're such a wounded person. You're such a, you're such a, uh, you, you, you're a Nebuch. So what we'll tell you a little bit is also good. Don't be too hard on yourself. That's not what it means. It means in the MS of life, even a little bit of movement towards purity really is good. It actually is something that is a victory. It's part of tshuva. You're right. You're not changed yet. 
You're not? It's not, it's not the tables haven't turned. But one of the greatest things about Rabbi Nachman, I think, is that he was able to understand the tricks of the Yetzir Hara more than anyone. And when you look at Rabbi Nachman's road that he left for us, all the etzot that he left for us, all the incredible pearls of wisdom and guidance, which are more alive today than ever, you see Rabbi Nachman is helping us detect the voice of the Yetzir Hara in order to call it out in its core. So friends, let's, let's detect the voice of the Yetzir Hara when it, when it comes to a Jew that's thinking about doing tshuva. So Rabbi Nachman, in an amazing teaching in Torah Ein Tet, the 79th teaching in the Kutei Maharan, Rabbi Nachman says to us, Holy Yidin, he says, listen, what it sounds like is as follows. And I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing here, but this is what it sounds like. The voice of the Yitzhar Hara, which sounds so holy, is that it catches a Yid when he has a moment of wanting to be better. And it says to the Yid, okay, now you'll finally get to do it. Get to do what? You'll get to do the mitzvah of tshuva. And what does the mitzvah of tshuva look like? That you are finally going to become a changed person. You're going to become a different person. And Rabbi Nachman says, that voice sounds so from. It sounds so holy. It sounds so right. But at a certain point you realize it's so crippling, it's so destructive, and it messes with my mind more than anything else. Because that voice is really saying, you have to stop all your shtuyot today, and you got to start making a huge difference in, your life, difference in your life because you may die tomorrow. And that's what, that, that's what, the, that's what that voice sounds like. But we know we, it says in, 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 the, in Gemara... Uh, Avodah Zarah gives us one of the most important mental health reminders that I, I feel like should be hung up in every single shul and school and classroom and bedroom. And it says in the Gemara, "Ein Hakadosh Baruch Hu ba im That means that the Ribbono Shalom does not expect us to do things that are that we can't do, that are just bigger than us. He doesn't expect us to walk on walls. He doesn't expect us to become different people overnight. He doesn't expect us to stop all our shtuyot today. He doesn't expect us to fix, even with the strongest Elul in 10 days in Tishrei, he doesn't expect us to fix it all. But what the Ribbona Shleilam expects us is to make notice of the small victories that we could do. And in Torah Ayin Tet, Rabbi Nachman says, Yeshne Minei Tshuvot, there's two types of tshuva. Rabbi Nachman says there's a person who's busy with Masal Matan. That's a person that's busy in this world like most of us. We're in this world. We're doing our thing. And yeah, boom, I have a hero tshuva. I have a moment of, of thinking I really want to be better. I want to get deeper. I want to fix something. I want to take on, take on something. And, and it's real in the moment. And then the next morning, it's like a fleeting thought. It, 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 it flew away. But Rabbi Nachman says, that's also a piece of tshuva. That I have moments of wanting to be better. Sometimes I hold on to them, sometimes I don't. It doesn't give me a lot of menucha in this world because I'm constantly in between wanting to do good, trying, failing, but trying again. Um, 
And I think that many of us could give a lot of examples of stuff we've taken on already from this Rosh Chodesh Elul, this past one, or maybe this Aser Tshuva. And I don't know how long it lasted, but, but they were real. They were real, Reb Nachman says. And it says that's the tshuva of the six days of the week, where there's no menucha. So I heard from a great teacher of mine, Rav Erez Moshe Doron, explaining this piece in Rabbi Nachman, and he said, a person has to feel like a, a victorious warrior that he's choosing not to have menucha in this world. Why don't we have rest in this world? Not only because of the chatterbox that doesn't stop, but because we're constantly trying to make the most of the moments of awakening that we have, and they don't always last. But that's a wonderful thing. That's a wonderful thing. You know, when Hashem, we should all be blessed to live for many years and there. They'll ask us, you know, when we get up there, they'll ask us a bunch of questions. But the theme of most of the questions is kind of like, at a certain point, did you check out and were you just a couch potato because you said, what good is any of the small victories in light of the big picture? Or did you continue to try and even celebrate the fact that this is the dance of your life. So many of us have moments where we could have sworn that we were going to give up because of all the times I tried to take on something and it didn't go. And many people truly think that it's worth giving up than it is to stay in the game. Because no one ever told them Torahs like this from the Rebbe or from Rabbi Nachman. And sometimes leading them to very, very dark and dangerous and scary, delusional places in their mind with, with their concepts of God or the Torah and Tshuva and Lo Aleinu, Hashem Yirachim, some very dark places. But if we could really incorporate into our, into our dance of Yiddishkeit, what we, what we just shared right now, that the Torah itself provides a level of purity that may be lower level, and I'm still maybe not completely fixed on the other side, but yet that, that pocket is there waiting for me to take advantage of that. Ah, Ashrechem Yisrael. Ashrechem Yisrael. Rabbi Akiva's Chiddush is the greatest Chiddush ever because it's the Chiddush of today of this door. I don't think any of us really think or believe in our heart of hearts that the point of this period, and especially this period leading up to Yom Kippur, is that I become a tzaddik and I stay a tzaddik. No. Perhaps we could say clearest, the point of this Yom Kippur is to say Rabbi Nachman's words loud and clear, only you know how badly I wish I could be a changed person. But what I believe, more than you wanting me to become a changed person, is to become a person with all of my pekelach, with my bag, with all of the distractions and all of the successes, to be able to say, I know that you believe that Abyssal is Achgut. I know that you believe that. 
And then I take the Rebbe's words and say, with, if a bissel is och good, then another noch a bissel is och good. Mitzvah, gereres mitzvah. Then a bit more of good will come with a bit more of good. Will I ever reach a place that I'm finally fixed? And it's all over, game over? I don't know, and I don't think it's relevant, and I don't think it's healthy to think like this. So Be'ezer Hashem, these, I, I, I pray, I hope that these are words that can be taken in very deeply, very strongly to pay attention that a lot of the struggles that we have with mental health, some, I'm not talking about things that are genetic. I'm not speaking about things that, like we said in the beginning of this segment, really need to be tended by a much uh, bigger scale of medical intervention, which Baruch Hashem we have the right people, and that'll, that awareness will only become more and more. It's, it's getting greater, it'll become greater and greater. But for many people, they, all they have to remember, what, a, what an incredible psychiatrist told me once, he said, the healthiest person is the one that goes to sleep at night and says, you know what, today I gave it a shot. That's it. I gave it a shot. You know, if we could go into Yom Kippur, if we could leave Yom Kippur and say, hey, Bono Shleilam, I gave it a shot. Maybe, maybe another element of Menucha will Be'ez Hashem be revealed within. And it will give me a year, not of that everything works out, but it will give me a year with, with, with this focus where I could say every single day, hey, Bono Shleilam, I gave it a shot. And then I hear... I hear the Rebbe giving over Rabbi Akiva to me. I hear Rabbi Nachman's Abyssal is Och Gut. And they, those statements of the Tzaddikim become Chai Vikayim. They become my, my, my torch in this world. Gemar Chatima Tova to each and every one of you.